Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Tuesday, February the 16th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. Welcome, everybody. We are honored that you're here to share this time with us and bring forward these ancient, awesome principles of forgiveness, how to change your own mind, how to touch into the dynamics that most people hide from themselves and change those internal dynamics. Most people think that the reason that they're in pain, in drama, in trauma, is because of everything that's happening outside of them. And of course, when you can convince 7.5 billion people to believe that, then everybody plays the trauma game with everybody else, and nobody recognizing that the trauma they're experiencing is all an inside job. You know, we've developed a test in this work for determining whether or not what you're feeling is yours or not. And the test is actually pretty straightforward, pretty simple. How do you tell if what you're feeling is yours or not? You're feeling it. That's all you need to know. No other information is necessary. No other information is useful. Other than if I'm feeling this, it's a dynamic that's happening inside of me. When I realized that, then I begin to apply the tool of actual forgiveness. No, not letting somebody else off the hook because that dynamic's happening inside of me, but actually reaching inside myself to the root of that dynamic and changing it. Whenever someone appears to be angry or irritated by another, and I put that word in quotes, the thoughts that they appear to be thinking about others are actually thoughts about themselves projected. And that's why it's so painful when we do that and why it repeats so often. So every time I hold a thought of my own 
that causes me pain, I have been taught by my culture to pretend that that thought is about somebody else. So the thought goes something like, you made me mad, you made me sad, you made me afraid. And when I live in that world of you made me mad, you made me sad, you made me afraid, I have to deny ownership of my own pain. Our definition in this work of denial is simple. Whatever I think or speak as though something that's happening inside of me is caused by something outside of me, I'm in denial. So when I hold unforgiven thoughts about myself and live in denial, blame everyone else, then I literally dissociate from those thoughts. So it may be the thought of a three-year-old and 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years later, that thought, because there has been denial around it and blame of someone else, literally forms pictures in our minds of the people that we're blaming, and we associate the pain that's going on inside of us with the picture in our minds. And the picture is nothing but a projection of the thought that's causing the pain. And it's all an inside job. But we think by dissociating from those things that we can be free of them when, in fact, all we've done is hide them from ourselves. And then in their projected state, it shows up as thoughts about others. If the thought were truly about another, I wouldn't have any feelings about it. I wouldn't have any attachment to it. I wouldn't have anything going on with it. I'd just go, oh, well, here's the thought about them. But when I have a thought that I have painful to me and I refuse to forgive it, whenever that thought becomes active, because I've been trained by the world to live in denial, that thought will create a picture. Literally, we have this digital to analog converter in the mind that takes the world of energy and turns it into pictures. So it turns up as a show in my mind. And the shows that happen in my mind, the constructs of my mind, are always a reflection of the thoughts in my mind. If the thought is painful, it's because when I originally thought that thought about myself, there was trauma associated with it. There was pain. There was rejection. There was, you know, perhaps a beating that went with it. And then when I take that whole energetic dynamic and hide it from myself, Wherever I put it in my tissue structure, I am literally creating a disease. I disturb the chemistry of the cells that that, those thoughts are stored in. And every time they resonate, it will tend to exacerbate my disease. So, you know, just watch yourself. You, You have physical pain and just start to notice when you experience that physical pain. And you'll notice that It's the day or the day after you went into some kind of a tizzy you thought about somebody else. And once you went into that rage, that fear, that whatever it was, that energy moving in tissue increases the pain of the presence of that energy in the tissue structure. So just start to notice when your pain starts to move that you've been in some form of upset that you've refused to take responsibility for that you've lived in, you know, she really makes me mad. Excuse me. If I'm functioning as a human being and we have a specific definition of a human being, 
hold a newborn child, you know what a human being is. If we were functioning as human beings and someone did the behavior that someone else says makes them mad, we'd look at that person, you know, whatever their bizarre behavior is, and we go, wow, you look like you're really in pain here. Can I support you in healing? You would do something human. You'd reach out as love in support and caring for the person you're looking at. But when your own dissociated thought is used to create that picture of the person you say made me mad, he really frustrates me, she makes me mad, those dissociated thoughts about self are painful when held in tissue. Denied and dissociated from, they create a whole picture world where everybody believes it's all everybody else's fault. What the beauty of the first century Aramaic forgiveness process is, is that when you stand in the space of willingness and are able to drop inside, and that's what forgiveness does, allows you to drop under the surface, then you can touch into exactly what that thought is about. And once you do and expose it to love, that thought dissolves. Now, the next time that person you say makes you so mad does their behavior, having a human life, your physiology will stay connected to love. Your thought structures will come from what the ancients called the mind of Christ in you instead of your body's mind where all that dissociated content is. And so what does that look like? An actual human being actually reaches out in love in every circumstance, in every situation that happens. And the places where I can reach out in love are the places where my work is. What I can't hold to the active presence of love for is the internal work that I need to do. And this genius mind 2,000 years ago that gave us a worksheet process, we've actually developed it a little bit, but in essence it comes straight out of the mouth of Yeshua 2,000 years ago. Here's how you forgive. And when you do that, then you're no longer struggling against your own dissociated pain to try to make your way in the world. You free yourself of your dissociated pain. Your cellular diseases heal. The place where those disease energies were stored, those energies disappear and the cells instantly restructure themselves and recover. And you're no longer playing the game of they made me mad, they made me sad. But the person who did the behavior yesterday that you said made you mad and made you sad you'll actually maintain your human life. You'll actually read out, reach out as a human being would, with caring, with respect, with compassion, through the presence of the mind of love in you. And everything in your physiology and everything in your world will be transformed. If you are so stuck in your denial that you're sure they made you mad, they made you sad, you enrage me so much. Well, notice that you're in denial. You think somebody outside of you can cause you rage. It's the biggest lie that's ever been told. There is no one in the universe that whether they're two feet away or 200 miles away, you'll notice that there are certain people, they can be 200 miles away, and you just hear about a behavior that somebody thinks they did. And you can go into hostility toward them. And you don't even know if the behavior ever happened. 
was their behavior the cause of your pain? No. The belief that their behavior was, when you heard that they perhaps had done that behavior, resonated thoughts about yourself that you denied and dissociated from. And it was convenient for you to blame them, so you created a world of pictures that imagined that they did that behavior that you heard they'd done, which they may not have done in any way, shape, or form. But that projection game is such a deep piece to understand. And what first century Aramaic forgiveness does is it returns us to a human mind. It returns us to sanity. What does a human mind look like in the presence of someone else's rage or fear or pain or trauma? It looks like a space where the active presence of love fills every cell in that person's structure because there is no other thought in them to be resonated by that behavior. It's a pretty tall standard. A pretty deep piece of work. And we are so blessed to be surrounded with this community of people who is working to comprehend and apply that understanding to the point where the whole game is changing within the community of people who choose to do that. And as this master physicist 2,000 years ago said, a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. We don't need to change every mind on the planet. All we need is a critical mass. And when that critical mass occurs, there's going to be such a powerful joining of minds who live out of love, energy field created. will literally permeate every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And there will be a transformation like has never been experienced before. The way the ancient physicists talked about it was, They said the world will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. There will literally be a physiological shift in every person living in disease and suffering and pain. Every person living in denial and dissociation, when that critical mass happens, there is going to be a transformation in a fraction of a second when critical mass is reached. And it's it's beyond what anyone could comprehend. So we're delighted that you're part of the show, that you're listening, and that you're sharing these tools with others, that you're using these tools and becoming part of the critical mass. That's what this work is all about. That's what motivates us. That's what has us do what we do with this radio show every day. And By the way, if you're not familiar with the archives, there are over 1,300 hours now of radio shows. You can go back and listen to so many perspectives on the conversation about this work of of the Aramaic Yeshua. It's just amazing. And so we invite you to share the tools with others. And as you use the tools, if questions develop, if misunderstanding develops, if how does this work comes forward, then the reason we're here five days a week is to answer those questions and to support you in putting these tools to work in your life. So we're honored that you're here. Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us today? Well, let's say hello to the young man. Hey, Tim. Hello, hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Awesome. I I hear you're heading off to Mexico. What? 
I heard you're heading off to Mexico. Where'd you hear that from? Are you not going to Mexico? Not that I know of. Oh, it must be must be another Tim Hayes that I'm connected with on Facebook. Tim Hayes came across, and I actually I thought I was dropping you a note saying, "Hey, have an awesome trip." I was saying off to Mexico for a holiday. No way, different Tim Hayes. Okay, <laughs> different Tim Hayes. Sorry, not sorry to be to the bearer of bad news. Yeah, apologies for being the bearer of bad news, Tim. You're not going to Mexico. <laughs> oh well, I mean, that's all right. I'm I'm quite I'm quite content and joyful where I am. Awesome. I'm looking out the window and the uh, snow is falling, and um, the little creek behind my office with all the fallen trees that are covered with snow is trying to cover over with ice, and so it's a winter wonderland, and that's just fine with me. Cool. And um, what I'm—I I was just resonating with the uh, intro. And talking, uh, thinking about how I've been talking with people in the past couple couple of days about their progress. I had another person in today who was in with his adult mother, and they were talking together about the dramatic changes that they have seen in his adult behavior in the past three years of doing these, applying these tools to his life. And he was recently faced with a situation where someone was, you know, physically threatening him over the phone and threatening to go to his residence and do all kinds of physical violence and and he and his mother both talked about how that this the fact that he could just sit here and talk about it and and have chosen an entirely different course of action than he would have even two years ago is directly related to the tools and how he's dismantled so much of his internal pain. And so he no longer needs the rage as the drug to mask that pain. And he's able to keep his logic online while he feels his emotions, have them both in balance and make far better, more respectful, more productive decisions today than he would have even a year or two ago. And it's a direct result of having these tools and choosing to use them. And these tools being the worksheet process and tapping and breath work and journaling and the mind shifter tool. So, so far from Friday until today, it's been a theme of people coming in and talking about the hallmarks, the milestones they're seeing that help them experience life so differently than they would have even six months or a year ago because they've actively gone inside themselves, taken responsibility for what they were creating in their emotions and dismantling it rather than blaming it on somebody else. And then last night I had the privilege of leading the book club again that we talked about last Tuesday. This is the Eye of the Storm book and you when I brought it up, you mentioned that the author of that book had been to several of your workshops and learned from this work the tool of responsibility. And so it's very, very similar. And it was very, very nice last night hearing people struggling with these concepts, some of them for 
basically the first time in their lives the idea that they've belonged to a spiritual tradition or a church group or they've tried to hold this high positive ideal and yet never really had any practical instruction on how to do that in the moment when they get triggered. And here's a book that's talking about that. It isn't quite as specific as your reality management worksheet process, but it's all about, in the moment, remembering your true nature, getting centered in in that experience of yourself as the energy of love, and then extending that to others rather than projecting anger, fear, or hurt from inside yourself into your image of them. So it was very, very rewarding for me last night to have another seven individuals getting introduced to the tools and talk about loving, blessing, doing good and praying. So that's what I'm up to. That's my offering today. Sounds awesome, and it's it's interesting, and I know you've shared this before, and you see it too. How quickly people can take the tools and start to shift things. We I heard from a woman yesterday. It's kind of interesting to hear her story. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Miami. We did one wise does that mean to me again workshop at Unity on the Bay in Miami, and there was a woman who had been visiting with a friend who was a member of that church, and she was heading back home, so she'd gotten in her car and. I uh, said did it do to to her friend who was on her way. The woman went to church and, and heard me speak on Sunday morning, called her friend who had a little bit of a car problem and was only at, in Fort Lauderdale by that point, and said, you've got to come back for this workshop this afternoon. So this woman turned around and came back and did the Y workshop. So she had one four-hour exposure to the tools, and she contacted us yesterday, and she's like, I want to teach this. How do I get to teacher's training? This has made such a difference in my life in, what, two and a half weeks. And my daughter has uh, has some drug problems, and I've been sharing the tools with her, and she's turning her drug problems around. So, it's, you know, it's just so exciting to watch how people pick it up and how the genius of each person takes it and puts it to work is always amazing and, you know, the the true teacher is always there inside of us and the tools are about uncovering our connection to that true teacher. And so pretty sweet to watch it happen. Absolutely agreed. Well, anything happening in the in the realm of practice and patterns to share? Well, other than what I just said, that people are actually, this seems to be a week of people coming in with their success stories and kind of the milestone events that when they would look back at how they would handle them six months or a year ago, they are just amazed at how they just don't have that angry or scared or grief-filled energy within them. And they've got an entire different range or repertoire of behaviors to choose from in response to the same situation that used to trigger 
either a shutdown or a rage or a depression. So that's been the pattern. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Well, Jeannie tells us we've got a caller or two, so let's go to our caller. The first one is Brenda, area code 901. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. Thank you. How can we support you today? What's what's exciting in your world? <laughs> Lots of exciting stuff. But I have a question. This morning on the BBC, I was listening, and there um, at one of the com- medical conferences in Florida, I believe, they have announced a procedure for curing uh, blood cancer. And in the tests that they've done or in the um, trials that they've done, it had a 90% success rate. And my understanding is that they take stem cells or they said, anyway, they they readjust the DNA or they modify um, the DNA. And I may be incorrect on my facts exactly, but they were talking about then taking these re-engineered cells and putting them into the body and that they attach to the um, receptor cells on the cell and they continue then reprogramming, my understanding, the cell in order to effect a complete change and a remission of the cancer that's there. So my question in line with understanding this work and the effects that our generational DNA have and the the fact that each thought we have does attach to a receptor cell, Um, I'd like some comments on how this technology and this adjusting the receptor cells and and adding different uh, genes or DNA to it, um, how that goes in line with what we are well, Brenda, for me, uh, it fits perfectly, and it's interesting they've got a technology for doing that now, and 2,000 years ago there was a technology for doing that called forgiveness, and, you know, if we choose to take the time and learn what the energies are that are, to use the word they're using, programming our cells for disease, if we choose to go in and forgive and remove the programs for disease, diseases disappear. And when we choose to engage in the energies that produce health, then the cell automatically starts to replicate according to a healthy pattern. So, you know, it, it reminds me of biofeedback. You know, biofeedback simply means life feedback. So here we've got this form we call the body, and it's been trying to tell this person something for years. And this person eats the worst junk food they can, drinks the worst drinks, alcohol, drugs, smoke pot, do everything to shut it up. And then they get a disease that gets their attention. So they go off to the laboratory and they pay 100 bucks an hour for to be hooked up to a machine that tells them what their bodies have been trying to sell them all along. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's certainly a, a mechanism for doing it, but what if we just learned to listen to our bodies, 
and not need a machine to interpolate for us. How different would the game be if instead of I feel some sort of emotional turmoil or pain that's programming my cells for disease, I think I'll go have a hamburger. I think I'll go get a fifth of scotch. I think I'll have a glass of wine. I think I'll smoke a little pot. What if instead of doing that, we went, ooh, there's an energy here that doesn't feel good. It is informing me about what's happening in my cells and how I'm programming them. You know, if you go back to the opening words in the book of John, the opening words in John do not say, as the Greeks tell us, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. What it says is, in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. When we put mind energy into our cells that are programming our cells for disease, the cells say, ouch, it's painful. But, of course, we've got a profession out there making billions and billions and billions of dollars off of pain and suffering that say, if you're feeling something that you don't want to feel, have I got a pill for you? And so, you know, that's very much like the fire alarm goes off and somebody says, oh, I've got a pair of wire cutters. Don't worry about that fire alarm. I'll just cut the wires to the bell. The fire rages on. When one is cut off from their biofeedback mechanism, that is their feelings, and the subtle thoughts going on in them, then their diseases rage. And that's cool that in a case where somebody isn't able to touch into what's going on for them, isn't able to deal with that, isn't willing to take the time to build the skills to change their own structure, that now there's some mechanistic way of doing it. But my take would be it'll never be close to the original and... Who knows? We we haven't heard from the research on it yet. What kind of other diseases are going to be created by that process? You know, if it stands in the realm of most medical treatments, then what's going to happen is, you know, there's there's a an energy that one puts in that changes a set of symptoms, but at the same time toxifies other parts of the system. It's called generally called side effects, but it's really causing diseases. And so we've yet to see what the impact of that is, and it sounds like uh, it's advancing in that direction. I prefer to see people who choose to develop the internal ability and skills to transform their own DNA. It's our birthright to do that. We're doing it all the time. It's just that we've been trained to do it unconsciously. We've been trained to do rage and hate and fear and guilt and grief and murder and have no idea that we, in so doing, are transforming our own DNA. Who taught us that we could transform our DNA if we converted back to minds based in love and thought in terms of compassion, love, gentleness, and respect? Then we'd see healing happen. I'd I'd refer back to, if you haven't listened to it yet, there's a really awesome interview that was done in the uh, um, onbeing.org is the website, and it's a a public radio uh, broadcast. And if you go to the December, I believe it was December 1st, it might have been December 3rd of 2015, there's a show that Dr. Tim tapped us into, where there's a medical doctor and a psychiatrist and a couple of other folks talking about disease and healing, and this medical doctor was dying from uh, from mercury poisoning, and nobody in his field had any answers for him. 
And so he went searching, and on the show he very clearly states the things that he learned about healing that he never learned in medical school. Because medical school isn't about healing. Medical school is about treatment. It's about learning what chemicals can shift what energies at what level. But what he learned, and he repeats two or three times in this interview, never learned this in medical school, never learned this, never learned this. And what he says is, in order to heal, here's what you need. You need the presence of love. You need community of support. You need forgiveness. And you need proper nutrition. Now, if we could get people to actually do those four things, engage in those four things, we wouldn't need to be trying to get machines that can charge us a million dollars to change our DNA. We'd be changing it ourselves. So that would be my uh, my take on it. Does that kind of uh, hit the arena you were looking to uh, to delve into? Well, I was. Um, I I guess the uh, question um, that incidentally on the trials they did have people who. Died. These are these are patients, um, trial people who had you know had been diagnosed that there was no chance of recovery at all. Uh, two right. people did succumb, and one person, I think it was, had some pretty severe um, side effects. But the ninety percent apparently uh, did not. My question actually goes to: Let's say that this is all correct, and they you know change the um, cellular structure to the point that there is no cancer any any longer in that cell, then the fact that we do thoughts, you know, that thoughts do create neuropeptides that attach to the receptor sites of the cells, does long-term, unless the person learns the techniques of changing their thought process, the fact that the disease process has been reversed. And I guess my question is what effects or whether or not this will be long-term results that they have. And I was just looking at it because the thoughts actually, as we understand, rule. (laughs) And so if, if the cell is healthy for a while, then without the thoughts changing, then will they disease again back to the original disease? And I don't think it's because they're, this is just a new technology, I don't think that right. we have any history or to, you know, any way of knowing what the results were. But I was kind of looking for your opinion of what might happen long term if the thoughts you know, if they don't, the patients who have gone into remission do not learn the process of um, what we're talking about. Well, ultimately, my take would be, and you'll notice that there is little to zero research, probably more like zero to zero research on what the cause of anything is. All these billions of dollars that people pump into cancer research and whatever Nobody puts a penny or a minute into what's the cause. Everybody basically throws up their hands in frustration and says, well, we don't know, but boy, have we got a treatment for you. Well, that's because 
Nobody's looking for a cause. Nobody cares about the cause because there's no money in the cause. If if I tell somebody that the cause of their ABC disease is their ABC thoughts, and if they change their thinking, their disease will go away, who can make a buck off of that? Nobody. So we don't even go there. We, you know, in the in the medical world, there's no interest whatsoever in that because there's no money. You know, you think of that movie Jerry Maguire and the line in that movie, "Show me the money." And basically, that's what runs the game of the world. Show me the money. And so if I put, you know, if we take it back to its simple basics in Aramaic, the word sin is an archery term, and it simply means off the mark. So if I fire at the bullseye and miss the bullseye, the scorekeeper yells sin. And then what they informed us in the Aramaic, understanding that all that sin means is an energy that's off the mark, when they said the wages of sin is death, they were telling us how death occurs. Death occurs because we put an energy into our structure that's off the mark. There is no cure for that in any kind of treatment whatsoever. Certainly, treatment can ameliorate the effects of it, but the only cure is going to be to remove the offending energy. You know, if I have a house and and I never, ever actually clean it, any dirt that comes, crumbs that fall on the floor, food that falls on the floor, I just sweep it under the rug, it's not going to be long before that house is killed with, or filled with cockroaches and mice and, and who knows what kind of critters are going to come, the same as the bacteria, the viruses, et cetera, that we blame for the disease processes in the body. Now, if I find myself a really good rodent and bug killer person and they come around every day and they spray my house with every kind of toxic chemical you can that kills all the cockroaches, all the ants, all the bugs, all the mice, all the rats, and the dirt is still under the rug, the food scraps and all of that, there's going to be another round, so we're going to have to go in and kill the, the new round of bugs and buzzards and rats and mice. And, and then once we kill them off, and, of course, we've now made the house pretty toxic, so anybody that goes in and just breathes the air is starting to feel a little woozy. But, you know, we got no bugs and buzzards around here, so see, things look pretty good. But it's not until I go in and clean out the garbage that I swept under the rug for so many years that I'm going to be able to stop spraying toxic poisons and and stop having all of these bodies of dead animals around that I've killed with these poisons and the people who've become toxified and poisoned as a result of it. So my offering is that while treatment is, you know, awesome benefit. I, you know, I started out and I was almost dead three or four times the first year of my life. I uh, I almost didn't make it through my birth. They told my father, you better get down here if you want to see this kid alive because he's not going to make it through the night. And uh, I used to spend the first few months every year of uh, or the first few weeks every year in an oxygen tent for years. I didn't go anywhere without an in- inhaler, and I had every kind of steroid and drug that the, they could throw at me. And there came a point where I realized that while this treatment was keeping me alive, it was killing me, and I had to do something, and that's when I began to search for cause. Now, you'll notice there's not a, a, a drug company out there that's going to give you one penny to search for cause, and what we're offering is, here are the tools. There's a man 2,000 years ago that the world of making money wanted to get rid of because he showed people cause, 
He said, if you know the truth about how the game works, then you'll be free. Now, nobody wants you to be free who's making billions off of selling your treatments. It's just not the way it works. Like, who can support a huge research department and and all of the expenses that go with it uh, to deal with the effects of what's been swept under the rug in the family system in the generations and in the genes. Who who Who's interested in that? There's no money. So you're not going to support a big research organization and a, you know, a, a CEO. Like I, I just read recently, and I forget exactly what the number was, but it was obscene. Uh, the head of one of the, uh, the large uh, insurance companies, uh, health insurance companies, and this guy's knocking down something like a thousand dollars a minute is his paycheck at the end of the year a thousand dollars a minute to run somebody who pays for your disease care now, how are you going to do that if you teach people the causes the dirt you swept under the rug, clean the dirt out, stop spraying poisons, and you'll be healthy you know so well again. For me, I'd have been dead if it weren't for treatment. Thank you, God. Thank you, medicine, for that. I sure wish I hadn't had to take all the years it took to understand healing so that I could come out from under that umbrella of toxicity. I didn't dare go anywhere. When I met Jeannie, she didn't go anywhere without an inhaler. How long has it been since you touched an inhaler, honey? 11 years since we met? Hasn't touched one. I haven't touched one in decades and decades and decades. I'd still be living with it. Well, probably actually spraying that kind of stuff in my body over that many years, I probably wouldn't be living today. And so, you know, the the research from the Aramaic and, and what Yeshua brought was a way to set you free. That means it's not going to cost you anything for health care because we live in a culture that doesn't have any health care. It has disease care. And again, there's a beneficial side. I'm, I'm the first to say I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for that. Thank you. And I wish you'd offered me the other half of the puzzle. Any physician that offers treatment without offering actual healing tools, and again, let's listen to this medical doctor in this, this radio show. I think, I think it was December 3rd of uh, 2015, On Being. Go to their website, onbeing.com. Oh, there's a link on our, Gene's got the link on our website. Excuse me. And, you know, what do you need? You need forgiveness. You need proper food. You need love, human life, and you need community. There's a medical doctor who very, very clearly proclaims, I didn't learn any of that in medical school. So, you know, if if you're in a, a crisis and you need treatment, go for it. You know, just go for it. There's some genius stuff happening out there. But at the same time, keep stepping through what you need to step through to understand how to move out of your structure those things you've been sweeping under the rug for so long and blaming everybody else for. And then you'll basically be free of diseases and free of the need for treatments, especially the toxic ones. Well, I think it'll be interesting to watch long term um, yes. as this all develops what the long term success rate will be without the tools that we're talking about. 
And uh, I don't know exactly how you would follow that. I guess there would be a way of doing it. But that interests me in, in seeing what the long term and how long the effectiveness is without without the tools and then whether or not anybody discovers that the combination of tools that we use in in agreement with whatever crisis um, management is being done uh, makes a difference on that. So that was just that was my question today, and, cool. and I'll see great somebody question. else. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Open great bye. discussion. Thank you. Awesome. So Jeannie, we've got another caller. Okay. Well, let me just share while we're waiting to see if that caller comes back on. Jeannie says the uh, the other caller had put uh, disappeared. So if you're still there uh, with no waiting, if you hit one, or if you dial back in and hit one, we'll be uh, we'll be delighted to talk with you. But back several years ago, I had a stepson who uh, who had cancer and did some research. And one of the things to be aware of about research in the medical world is that. In order to be reported in the research, one has to go through the protocol. So I know that back then we looked at a lot of different treatments for him, a lot of different uh, processes. And uh, we actually chose a healing path, and he's still doing well today, although they gave him a four and ten chance of living back then. But... What happens is, let's say, for instance, 100 people go into a trial. And imagine that 60% of them die. They are not reported in the statistics because they didn't complete the trial, so they can't be represented in the statistics. And if the 40 who were left of, of them, you know, 25 of them complete successfully, then what will be reported was that there was a 60% success rate where, in fact, it wasn't 60 if you included everybody in the trial and half of the trial died. It was more like 30, but 60 sounds pretty good. So before you start accepting any kind of research and its conclusions, there are a couple things to really look at. One is who funded the research and what was it done for? A lot of scientists or so-called scientists are really researching in order to get the next grant. And, you know, it's kind of like the gold rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. And if you don't get research money for next semester, you're out of business. And so oftentimes that research, if you look underneath it and really look at it, isn't quite as um, uplifting as it reports to be. So, just just make sure that you understand how things are being reported. And then, of course, Dr. Tim, you had some things to share a, a little while back about uh, how research papers uh, show up in the uh, in the journals. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Well, there is a very telling, or it was, it may not be up, up anymore. Sometimes these things get taken down, but there was a very informative TED talk about how in order to get published through a peer-reviewed process, the vast majority of studies have to show a positive result. Now, 
so let's just take a look at what that means. Let's say that somebody comes up with the idea that if you eat a handful of raisins and drink a two-liter bottle of Coke every day, it'll cure Parkinson's disease. So then somebody decides to create a study and put a 1,000 people through that study, and they do. And for six months, all these people who have Parkinson's eat a handful of raisins and drink a two-liter bottle of Coke. And then they, the results show it didn't change the Parkinson's. And somebody else says, wait, but that's a really good idea because raisins had this one ingredient and the Coke has this. So somebody else changes the procedure a little bit and does a study. And again, it doesn't change the Parkinson's. But somebody else says, man, that was such a good idea. Let's try it, tweak it just a little bit and do it again. So 35 different times they run this study and it shows there's no effect on the Parkinson's. And then somebody else says, yes, but I think they missed this one thing. And the 36th time somebody does that study, it comes out and it shows a significant change in the Parkinson's syndrome and in the symptoms. Do you know which study is going to get published? The only one you're going to see in a journal is the one that says it changed Parkinson's symptoms to eat a handful of raisins and drink a two-liter bottle of Coke. And this happens over and over and over again in what they call the peer-reviewed research journals, which are supposed to be the gold standard for the, quote, scientific, unquote, community. Is that what I you just, were was the, uh, it, it is, yes. Was the, uh, the name of the uh, presenter on TED uh, Ben Goldacre, do you remember? Battling bad science. It could be. That anyway, I just uh, I just I googled it while you were talking. Yeah, I just googled it, and uh, it looks like there are a lot of scientists out there who are really wanting to bash TED. <laughs> um, I think it's flying in the face of of what uh, the the science community controls in the way of information. So I I can see that uh, it's it's pretty threatening to uh, to some scientists. Um, so I'll, I'll do a little more reading and report back, but it looked interesting. Well, it, it it's it's a known, you know, you you can be in the field and you can discover this. That's there are a lot of people who are really in their their interest is in the pursuit of truth, and they're tremendously frustrated by this political and economic-based system for getting things published. And it's all about money and who you know and how it is going to appeal to the readership rather than what's the actual hard science. Certainly an interesting game. Certainly interesting. 
And Jeannie, uh, do you have anybody there with a hand up? We lost that person who called earlier. It was a Skype caller who called in. I wonder, I had gotten a uh, an email the day before yesterday from a gentleman in uh, Sweden who was uh, paralyzed from the, the uh, chest down. And he had been starting to delve into the work and watch the videos and was seeing some very positive results. And I invited him to Skype into the show, so I wonder if we missed him. If uh, if so, we'll hold that. Uh, Victor, call us back. We'd love to hear your voice if uh, if that was you that was calling in on Skype. Or whoever it was calling in on Skype, we'd love to hear from you. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169 for anybody that's on one of those stations we can't see. And we're down to about five minutes, so we've got time for one more great question. And if you're on the phone now, if you just push one, that'll put a little hand up through the magic of modern technology. That'll put a little hand up, and uh, Jeannie will know you want to talk to us, and she'll introduce you by your area code. Or if you're in the chat room, you can type your question in the chat room. If you are not a member of Blog Talk, they won't let you type. They'll only let you listen and watch, but uh, you can very easily register for a Blog Talk account. It's pretty simple. It's free, and they respect your email address. And so, oh yes, Jeannie was just. Why don't you go ahead, sweetie? Why do you share it? So we have um, some people came up to visit us today from a little bit further south in Florida, and they were sharing that um, a couple that has been coming to their support group had actually been part of some work that we had done down in that area about five years ago, and. They were, you know, separated. They, you know, hadn't divorced, but they were separated. And um, things were just, you know, really rocky. But they both came together to the workshop and played around with it, but really never delved into it. And they had started going to the support group that's down there in Boca and started really putting the tools to work, and they're back together again and just talked about how, awesome the tools were in helping them get past all of the things that were in their own mind that they were blaming on each other and to be able to recreate relationship with each other. So that was pretty pretty powerful. It's kind of like the lady that called you yesterday and how it had just changed her life. So we're getting a lot of reports like that. And so that's pretty cool. And we're thankful. Absolutely. And if um, if there's anyone who's ready to take your work, your process to the next level. We do still have a couple of spaces here in Laws of Living. We'll actually be starting on Thursday, so just a couple of days. We'll be serving dinner on Thursday the 18th uh, as the opening of a 16-day Laws of Living intensive. And uh, at this point, it's looking like it's going to be a really uh, interesting intensive We've got personal code evaluation scores back from everybody in the intensive, and there's nobody in the group with a score under 65 on a scale of 100, which is this intensive is unprecedented. We've never had a group that started out at this level, and so I'm really looking forward to how high with this as a platform. You know, Usually we'll have folks who will come who've got crisis in different areas of their personal code evaluation and such, but 
everybody here is in the upper third in every uh, every one of their scores. So, and so, and of course, it's, it's folks who've been doing the work over a significant period of time. So, I see this particular intensive is going to uh, to heights unheard of. So I'm looking forward to how that's going to unfold and where the energy will go over the next 16 days. And if you're uh, at a point where you're ready to jump in and do some work, then you might consider giving us a call. Come and join us. We're here in Orlando, Florida. Beautiful sunny day today. It's probably about, I don't know, maybe 74, 75 degrees sunshine. Weather's been awesome. and been a little on the cool side at night. Been down, actually down into the low 40s couple of nights, but during the day it's been over oh, 65 to 82, 83. supposed to be getting warmer as the week unfolds, so we've got sunshine and blue skies, and we're in this awesome, beautiful seven-bedroom house in uh, in Orlando. We actually just finished doing a still point breathing session. A couple that she was talking about were Michael Coughlin and his, his bride, and so they came up to last night, and we... Uh, we hung out, we had dinner last evening and did some breathing this morning and they're going to be leaving here after the show. And, uh, and just a really sweet space. And then we've got a, a young lady from actually up your way, uh, Tim Carrie is going to come and join us with her sister tonight for dinner. She's down here on a bit of a vacation. She's actually registered and coming to do laws of living next summer. But uh, she has a vacation here with her sister. So she's bringing her sister in to, uh, to meet us and we're going to share dinner tonight and just kind of settle in and catch up and say hello. So lots of good things happening. Lots of good things happening. And we appreciate everyone who joins us every day that you join us. Dr. Tim, you are so deeply appreciated with all the ways that you jump in to support. I, uh, I'm, I'm sad for you that you're not going to Mexico, but it sounds like you're happy in snow. I, I'll never understand that logic, but hey, you know, to each their own. I, I was brought up in that. I had enough of it. But anyway, just being facetious. We appreciate you passing this work on. If any of these shows are particularly meaningful, there's free MP3s of them on the website. You can download them, attach them to an email, or send a link to them and Share them with others. And so we invite you to pass the tools along, bring a stranger to the show tomorrow, and we'll look forward to seeing you at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com.